welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. And we've got a special guest with us today. Oh, exciting. So excited. <laughs> well, you'll be excited until I tell you who it is. <laughs> Then the, then the realisation sets in, the crushing disappointment. It's Charlie Cox from TV Party. Yay! How are you doing, Charlie? Hello. Yes, I'm good, thank you. How are you, Anyone that doesn't know, um, and I wouldn't blame you, mm. uh, TV, <laughs> TV Party uh, is a podcast that Charlie and me and, uh, and Sam, our other good chum, uh, record, and it's all about TV uh, reviews. Um, but we're doing our last episode. Our last episode should be out Aww. sometime in the in the very, very soon future. Yes, perhaps today. Perhaps today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, double whammy. Mm. Um, two coxes on one day. I mean, come on. <laughs> what more could you ask for? <laughs> Have you been? Uh, yeah, man. Good. Good. Um, I went to London last week, uh, and it was ludicrously hot, mm. um, which was horrendous uh and then came back here and it's ludicrously hot so yeah for anyone that doesn't know charlie is uh he's he's abandoned ship and he lives in barcelona now so uh yeah um yeah all all good in the hood i keep getting woken up by my neighbor upstairs but that's a different story the one with the the one with the high heels yeah it's a fucking nightmare she seems to be (laughs) Shifting furniture around at 7am every day. Clog, clog dancing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on up there, but it's very upsetting. Man, you need to... We need to get you back over here, Charlie. Yes. Yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> that, that, that voice was just like, no. <laughs> what was this photo? I've seen you like live in like, fucking notorious B.I.G., like the Mo Money, Mo Problems <laughs> video, hanging out on a boat. Yeah, no, that was our... Uh, team building for work are you a team um, of pirates What's going on? <laughs> yeah I don't really know like I'm pretty sure because my my boss has a lot of Instagram followers I feel like he just wanted to rent a boat to get some Instagram shots so he just took us all out on a boat and was like this is our team building so we were just drinking on a boat all afternoon it was very fun. I'm not going to argue with that really if someone wants to do that just for their Instagram and I get invited on a boat to drink I'm going to be pretty happy so it's all for the gram baby it's all for the gram <laughs> Um, Charlie. Yes. Do you like horror movies? <laughs> uh, I'd say I like them. I don't love them. Mm. Why didn't you ask him if he likes scary movies? Oh, fucking hell. <sighs> oh, fucking Oliver. yeah, Ollie. I'll, uh, we'll end the podcast here. Goodbye, <laughs> yeah, we're everyone. Done, we're done. <laughs> um, go on then. So you like them, but don't love them. Yeah, I mean, it's not, they're not a passion of mine. Like, there's a few that I really like, like some of the classics and couple of others here and there but it, like i rarely go and see them in the cinema like when people are like talking about how scary this film is or you should see it like it doesn't really interest me hmm. what is your what's your favorite what's my favorite scary movie yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> i wonder if I've, I'll, I'll filter this through i'll put an effect over the voice so it sounds like i'm using the the screen voice modulator <laughs> <laughs> um probably the orphanage actually it's a good one. It's on the list, but I can't remember right now which number. But it is on the list somewhere. I fucking love that film. Yeah, it's good. It's a good one. It's a good one. Maybe we'll get you back to review the orphanage, Charlie. Ooh. Yes, please. I oh, mean, that is like one of the only films that actually scares me as well. Mm. So that's going to be a tough watch. This is probably like least. Uh, this is like 
least like the orphanage movie right now. Yeah, or this one, the yeah. one we're about to review. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. Um, <laughs> as soon as we started doing this podcast, I knew that there were some people that I wanted to get on to to review movies, and Charlie was one that I was like, we've got to get Charlie on because Charlie's always a good laugh and he knows his onions when it comes to TV and <laughs> movies and things. Mm. This is the most... We're reviewing Scream today. Yay! Um, this is the most Charlie Cox film that I could probably think of. Really? Yeah. This is... When I was watching it, all I could think of was, this is the OC, but with <laughs> <laughs> but with, with, with slaughtered teenagers. It's like yeah. One Tree Hill, if it had fucking <laughs> Richard Ramirez in it. Oh my god, it. it really is. And anyone that listens to TV Party knows that Charlie Cox is a man <clears throat> who loves his teeny, his uh, yeah. his teeny dramas. This is not right, Charlie. Yeah, that's right. I love it. You love Lap it shit. up. Yeah. Um, do you remember when you first saw Scream? Ooh, uh, I feel like I watched it with my sister when I was very young. Mm. It came out in like '96. So how old? How old? How old are you? '96, Charlie. Make everyone throw up in their mouths. Uh, six or seven. Whoa. I was 14. I feel so old. I was 11. Oh, okay. But there you so, go. There's another there point where we could just end it. Yeah. End right now. <laughs> Charlie, it's done. Yeah. Shut it down. Yeah, we're done. Um, so do you remember anything about watching it for the first time? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was very young, so I found it very scary. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just remember enjoying it. I remember thinking that, I didn't expect the uh, the ending to be the way it was. Like it's a bit of a twist, mm. um, and yeah, just genuinely was very scared because it's it's a scary um, outfit, you know, the mask. Mm. So was it scream face or something? I can't remember what's called ghost face. Ghost ghost scream face. face. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Good old scream face. Or Father yeah. Death, which was the actual name on the costume packet. Like when they're looking at it in the film, which is a really it's not not that great. Father as a Father Deathmus. Yes. Um, I remember watching this film when it first came out on VHS I watched it with my friend Johnny and an old friend of ours, Sam Um, and I feel like it was the first I would have been 11 years old it wasn't the first horror movie I'd seen but it was the first one that I remember that we went out to rent and I feel (laughs) like uh, Sam's brother got it for us Um, I remember watching it I remember loving it it didn't like I don't remember being like super scared of it, um, but I remember really enjoying it. Um, I remember we were watching it like a bunch of times when we when we rented it as well. What about you? Did you? Um, so I would have been about fourteen, fifteen. So it would have been when it came out um, uh, in, on video, and it was my friend Claire. Um, her brother had got it um, on video. Her older brother, and uh, he seemed to think it was really funny to to make us watch it, and then. Um, yeah, we just uh, watched we, it, and we, I was we, just like, "Oh, okay." Like you know, the first the first two killings are pretty brutal. They're probably the most brutal in the in the whole movie. And, um, yeah, I just remember being like weirdly fascinated with it, not like freaked out or grossed out or anything. I was just like, "Whoa, okay." I've never actually seen anything like this before. So I think it's an important part of growing up that you have someone in your life who's a real jerk who makes you watch really scary shit. Yeah. I was, I always remember. Stick with you. Yeah. We've said that before. I the ones that you watch when you're younger, like the ones that really stick with you. Yeah, I was, like I said, I've got I've got strong memories of this uh, of this yeah, movie. But I think you've already touched on it. Let's talk about it. Is this the best opening of a horror movie ever? 
could be. It's, could it's, be. Pretty, it's pretty hardcore. It's, it's pretty, pretty strong, right? Yeah. It's like first 15 minutes. Spoilers. Sorry, if you are listening to this, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, first 15 minutes, there are two full-on disembowelments, which is pretty Yeah, intense. it's so, like, it's way... <laughs> It's way more hardcore than I remember it. But I, I, I was when I went in, into watching it. We watched it last night. When I went into it this time, I was very tre- trepidatious. Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, I think you thought it wasn't going to age very well. Cause yeah, it was very I thought. 90s, but... Yeah, but it 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 kind of really proved me wrong. Like mm-hmm. I really went into it and enjoyed it. And <clears throat> the I thought that first fifteen minutes was so good. Mm. Um, and I was blown away by how fucking gnarly and hardcore it was. Like yeah. you said, there's like the the one bit that really got me this time round um, was when Drew Barrymore's character is being dragged through the garden by the killer, mm. and she's on the phone to her mum, yeah. and her mum is listening to her being fucking disemboweled. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that is it's hardcore. Yeah, it's that really is very good. that's pretty grim. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they ratchet up the tension so well um, in that opening scene. You know, I mean, it starts off. You've got um, like the frequency of the phone calls that high, like shrill, like blue blue, and then you've got the uh, the fact that the popcorn's on the stove. So mm. if you're that kind of way inclined, you're like you're burning the popcorn. <laughs> um, and then you know, what I mean, the 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 language gets more and more intense. Like was... I'm gonna fucking gut you like a fish. Well, the the bit that freaked me out when I watched it, you know, like the, you have little bits that will give you like shivers when you're watching something for the first time. And I think the one that always gets me is like when he starts getting more intense and she's just about to hang up with him, uh, and you hear the last bit that he says is like, "Don't hang up on me," and he says it in such a like like a nasty way and the, but it and would the, creep me out the whole scene turns from that kind of at the beginning of the, of the phone call they're kind of like flirting with each other and then he says I want to know who I'm looking at and mm. all of a sudden the music changes and her face changes and the whole direction of the scene completely shifts on one word um, and then he's, he's like what did you say and he's like I want to know who I'm talking to and she's like that's not what you said and like I said, from there, it did, like Wes Craven, who directed this movie, he's an absolute fucking master of horror. Um, just it does such an amazing job, just like ratcheting up the tension. Um, is there anything you you love about the about the opening, Charlie? Uh, well, no, like you said, like, it's it's super iconic. Like I forgot. Well, I don't know. It was like one of the things I was looking forward to seeing the most. As soon as it started, I like put my phone down and was like, "Okay, I need to watch this because it's such a good opener." And because you're coming eat- up bloody behind the sofa and you need to do your <laughs> bloody homework. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, uh, it, it, I was watching it in broad daylight in the afternoon in my flat, and it still made me jump when he throws that fucking chair through the window. <laughs> Did you barricade, barricade your fucking front yeah. door, put the mattress in front of it? <laughs> Started screaming. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's such a good opening scene. Drew, Drew Barrymore's so good in it. I forgot, yeah. like she only has a very small role at the beginning there, but she's so good in it. Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't work that whole that first scene if it didn't have someone of her like a, a, an actor of her caliber doing it. I do do have an interesting fact for you though. I love an interesting yeah. fact. So Drew Barrymore was actually cast as Sydney, who Nev Campbell en- ends up playing. And about five weeks into them sort of getting ready to like make the film and stuff, she decided that she wanted to be a smaller part. Um, so she decided to take on the Casey role so that she would be on the... Uh, she's like the, the famous face that you see in the, in the poster where it's just the white face with the hand over her mouth. 
that's Drew Barrymore and then she actually features quite prominently on the main poster where you see all of the people who are in it because it was meant to be she she was like I kind of want to do this role I'd, I'd like I'd love you know like a big gory death and it completely throws people off because at that point she was like it was like mid to late 90s 96 so she was like you know quite a big actor and you know like really well known and so she was like it would really throw people off if I get killed like brutally in the first 15 minutes mm. people are like what the hell like where the hell is this movie going to go from here well it definitely plays mm. on that kind of yeah. um, that psycho like yeah, Janet, like Janet Lee. yeah, like Janet Lee and Psycho. Anyone, I, I hope you've all seen Psycho, where yeah. like mm. Janet Lee gets killed within the first and like she twenty was a minutes. Big star at yeah, that exactly. Point, so. um, but I think what you thing you brought up there as well is is really important when you're looking at this movie is like the time period. I feel like when I watched it this time round, I thought back to horror movies of the '90s, and I thought this is the first one that's really kind of updated. It's the first kind of like contemporary horror movie you know that has lasted the test of time Mm -hmm. and you know it's the first even stupid little things like it's got to be the first horror movie that has has dealt with mobile phones right Mm, possibly yeah i i i had a look through like these were the best horror movies of the 90s and all the ones i saw were like vampire ghost you know i mean there was no like here's a teen slasher movie from the 90s that had anything on screen because you got to think like Slasher movies were a dying breed in the nineties. They had massively dipped from their like height in the eighties. So this was the first one that kind of really like, right, well we're gonna have the kids the kids aren't the kids of the eighties anymore, or they're not just like faceless slugs that we're gonna, you know, just kill off like in a in a Friday the thirteenth. Let's give them characters. So, you know, they dress like kids from the nineties. They listen to the music like kids from the nineties. You know what I mean? Like everything about it is updated and it kind of I guess would be the first time or the most kind of prominent time that you can think all of these things were on screen when you're dealing with a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, it used to be that it was like the, um, you know, you'd go and call, you'd go to try and call the police to let them know there's a killer on the loose or whatever, and the line would have been cut. And then nowadays the whole thing is you've got your mobile, but there's, you're in an area that magically has no signal. So this mm. was like the in-between of the two where like, you know, mobiles time. were just coming in like I think they mention in it they're just like oh you know like all the kids have them these days you know it's still like a you know like a newfangled thing to the older generation but also yeah. the idea of being able to uh, dial up the police on, uh, yeah. on a dial up modem oh yeah <laughs> that was so funny de- like a deaf dialer like just magically on her screen already like she was ready for it it was, that was a bit, uh, a bit yeah. weird there you go um Let's let's get into some details of it. Mm. Um, Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> I want to talk about Skeet Ulrich because I know you've got some prime things to say about some of the cast, Charlie, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Skeet Ulrich is a, a massively unlikable in this movie. <laughs> what a total bell end! Um, obviously, it turns out spoilers that he is the killer. <gasps> but even from the start, I think this guy's a total douchebag. Mm. He's all about. Oh, I would never violate the sanctity of the under the panties rule. And then immediately he's just like, well, I'm just going to try and shove my hand up there right now. And then he's like, you're being such a bitch for, for not wanting to have sex with me on the one year anniversary of your mother's rape and butcher. Yeah. And while you're being terrorised yourself by some fucking masked lunatic. I'm like, God, Nev Campbell, you're a real bitch. How could you do this to poor Steve Ulrich? <laughs> 
Um, yeah. yeah, and he has some real uh, blue steel Zoolander looks. Yeah, there's some yeah, moments where I'm like, oh man, that is straight out of uh, the the runways of Milan. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real like '90s poster boy, and he's got the car- the curtains, nice yeah. and greased back, the white t-shirt at all times, <laughs> with a plaid over the top. <laughs> yeah, gotta have that sweet sweet plaid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we've got who else? Have we got. Uh, go on, Charlie. Give some give some love to your boy. Well, yeah, Matthew Lillard or Lillard. I don't know how you even say it. But... I'd say Lillard. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think Lillard. Yeah. Yeah. I so when you asked me like what's one of the things that I remember about this film, I've been seeing it for the first time. I remember him, and I just remember thinking like that guy is so funny. I don't know. I just <laughs> he's destined to play Shaggy in a Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a premonition. Uh, I just I think he's so good in this film that like, he really stands out and he does such a good job of just this bizarre character. It's almost like he's like Stifler, the Stifler <laughs> of the piece, but he's <laughs> so, so funny. And that, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it later, but the, his final scenes, they're fucking hilarious. They're so funny. Well, I think I'll say about it now. Like he, he gave me a real like Jim Carrey kind of vibe like where he's just like oh my really god the idea of Jim, the idea of Jim Carrey in a slasher film it's, it's quite, all I want right actually now quite terrifying but some of the best lines the bits that make me laugh and the ones that that, that I always remember of Matthew Lillard is like the bits at the end where like he's talking to Sydney on the phone after she's like attacked them and stuff or like you know she's she's talking to them on the phone she's called the police and uh, when Skeet Ulrich like hits him with the phone, and he goes, "Fucking hit me with the phone, Dick!" <laughs> <laughs> and and when he's talking to her, he's like, "Did you really call the police?" She's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "My mum and dad are gonna be so mad at me." Both <laughs> those lines were ad libbed, and Wes Craven loved them so much that he kept them in. Oh, I really, love, yeah. I love that. I think, I think you're right, Charlie. I think he's really good. And apparently, they managed to bring Scream in under budget because. Uh, they got to cancel uh, the food for the days of those final shoot scenes because uh, Matthew Lillard was so full from chewing up all the scenery. <laughs> yeah. God almighty, Ollie. <laughs> it was laboured, but I brought it in. <laughs> I yeah, brought yeah. it in at the end. Okay, well. It was a water landing. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah. And then we've got uh, Jamie Kennedy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I kind of like Jamie Kennedy the most, I've got to say. Jamie Kennedy is uh, Randy. Yeah, the film yeah. film buff, virgin nerd who uh, has a thing for Sid. He was definitely my proxy when I was a, a young man. <laughs> he was definitely the 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 one that I most identified with. <clears throat> Can imagine. Know. He's he's such an important character in this because he's basically outlining sort of exactly what's going on. Yeah. The fact that it's a complete spoof. Yep. It's but, really, um, really good. And the he his character was one of the things was one of the parts that I was kind of like quite uh, nervous about when we were going into it because I thought how are these long screeds and speeches of his about the rules of horror movies are they going to kind of be super corny in the 90s in the you know the noughties or whatever the fuck we're in now um, but they weren't I thought they, he did a really good job and the, the writing was really, for, for, uh, shout out to Kevin Williamson mm. Uh, who wrote this? You you must love him, Charlie. He must be one of your favourites. He uh, wrote all of Dawson's Creek, right? Well, actually, Dawson's Creek is one that passed me by because I was too young. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I have always had the intention of going back, but oh, you should. Yeah, I that's know. the one that that's basically like my my OC. 
So yeah. It's, and it's not, my name and my initials are OC, so yeah, that says something <laughs> for, for Kirsty to say that it's her version of the OC. But, um, but yeah, um, yeah, uh, Jamie Kennedy's like uh, Randy, like you said, you know, he really does out um, outlay it. So basically, like he accuses Stu within like the first the the first two killings. He's he's jokingly, but half jokingly, half seriously, um, uh, says it's Stu. Um, and then later on when they go through the whole, like, in the in the video store and he essentially screams out that, like, everybody's a suspect, then it's, he says that motives are incidental, then he, he's, like, saying that it's Billy, so, like, he he knows all the way through, like, all these throwaway comments and stuff are all, like, they all end up being correct, so... Well, it's funny, because when I was watching it this time as well, I noticed lots more... Uh, instances where you can clearly see that it's uh, Matthew Lillard and Skeet Ulrich who are the killers. Right at the start, there's a little look that Skeet Ulrich gives to Matthew Lillard when they're all sitting around the fountain, when I guess is the first time you meet all of the, the, the friend group together. Mm. Um, and Skeet Ulrich shoots Matthew Lillard this look, which is so like... Once you know, you know. You know what I mean? Like, there's he's like, no. I didn't kill anybody, and he's like, nobody said you did. Like, yeah. shut up, <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and then Rose McGowan as well. She's great. Yep. She's good. Wearing some fucking choice outfits. Yeah. I've got. Well, now, Kirsty, you were you were older than than Charlie and I. Were white go-go boots a thing in the nineties? <laughs> no, but that silver like mini football shirt that was a thing i think i remember like silver and like a clashing color so like a red or an orange which was those like weird like red like white striped trousers like bell-bottom trousers yeah she wears like red trousers i always remember the like from her death scene like the the sort of fractal spiral pattern on that skirt and it, it kind of focuses on that as she's running away from the screen and I'm like I don't know what that was supposed to signify or whether it was anything or whether it was like meant to vaguely objectify her because she talked about like um how it was like she talks about sexism and stuff throughout the film and uh about like women being killers and everything and whether they were just like trying to make it real like damsel in distress Mm. kind of I'm not sure what they're what their choices were with that but her death's pretty She's fucking great. cool as well yeah so that's one of the mm. ones that i remember like we i mean i think we'll get into like best death because we've got like seven to pick from this is the death count the, the kill count in this is seven so um we'll we'll probably go through best deaths later on. i remember pretty good. i remember her death being more um it lingering on it longer i remember like a real obvious like rubber head you know what i mean like <laughs> being proper like squish between the garage door but maybe i'm just uh kind of hyping it up in my mind um but yeah um what else have we got what else is going tom cruise's penis oh yeah that's that actually real? a thing yeah that's a thing it is a, it is yeah, a thing i think he's like i think i remember someone talking about it before and i think it's like there's a bit where he's like jumping out of like a top bunk of a bunk bed or something or like a you know like a bunk or whatever and he's naked and apparently you can pause him and uh, just about see it well well uh, i guess we'll have to go back and have a look at that one charlie's googling do we, as we, do speak. we really need to look at that? <laughs> come on if someone was like there's a picture of tom cruise's penis on the internet you know you'd go google it mm. which is what we're going to do after we start recording um <laughs> Charlie, is there anything you want to add at this point to uh, anything you've you've focused in on, anything you've noticed or you want to talk about? Uh, not really. I mean, you guys mentioned it earlier, but it, it did strike me how gruesome some of the deaths were as mm. well. I, I 
don't know why I just didn't remember them being that bad and then yeah like guts literally hanging out but yeah. um yeah it's absolutely savage but yeah like the um like Steve oh. <laughs> oh, for excuse me there we go Cheers. um yeah Steve uh the the first the first death so like Drew Barrymore's boyfriend out on the patio um the way that they had to do it was that the actor was actually kneeling behind the chair um and uh like so that they could basically have him so he was like hollowed out and like properly disemboweled so he's kneeling behind the chair and you can see like his head his arms and like the top of his torso and then the rest of it is like you know like a prosthetic body Hmm. and then for drew barrymore Hmm. they actually had to like create an entire body of her uh like a like a mannequin figure that looked like her to hang from the tree so that they could have that proper like all of her organs on the outside kind of thing Mm. so um um yeah yeah. one thing i would say about this movie um is how good the pacing is like there you think of back to those like slasher movies from the 80s and you know 70s i guess and how many times is it just this one singular kind of plot and it just no matter what happens you're just following that until the end which in some cases means that you have to sit with the characters while they're involved in the most boring inane <laughs> shit whereas this like there's little subplots off to the side there's the whole you know we've not even touched on Courtney Cox and uh, mm-hmm. David Arquette um, <laughs> but there's so many other little different bits and pieces going on and they are really good at making sure there's a death or a chase or something scary happens. It has to be like every 15 minutes or so. Like, yeah. So there's never, just when you think you're like settling back into it and everything's calming down and then all of a sudden, bam, like ghost face comes out and <laughs> you're, you're at it again. Um, and it just strikes me how well constructed some of those like chases and scares are as well. It's one of the, one of the films that I really noticed uh, the first time around how they kind of like play with those horror movie expectations so like even just like little things I remember the first um, the first time that Sydney has an encounter with the killer she's just hanging out at her house on her own and then you know she walks down the stairs or something and she opens a cupboard door and like we know from horror, having, having watched how many horror movies that when she closes that door, the killer's going to be behind the door mm. and he's not there. And I just think, oh, this is so cool. It's, you know what I mean? Like the way they subvert the kind of what you're expecting to happen. They even do like, like a fake out music. And yeah. Like, like a, that bit, like a little clang. And that always got me. I was like, like they're just trying to fake you out at every turn. And, you know, you really don't know who it is or what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, talking of uh, of David Arquette, <laughs> Dewey, Dewey has to be the worst cop of all time. <laughs> Agreed. But he was meant to be like they were. They were. They wanted him to be like. I think when when David Arquette actually signed on, it was like Dewey was meant to be like uh, you know like a proper poster boy hunk type. That you know it was a whole like will they won't they with uh, with him and uh, Sid and. With, then, with David Arquette, yeah. Oh my god, really? And then, and then, but and, <laughs> what a what a what a hunk. Yeah, and then they uh, and then they decided to make him like goofball, like small town cop kind of thing. 
and they really play it up like you know when they see him later in the in the police station there's like a bag of dunkin donuts like you know he's mm. getting the getting the the piss taken out of him by like the other officers and stuff because he's like the youngest and the goofiest and he's doing like his best like adam sandler kind of thing like i got like that kind of vibe from him i think He's not as cool as Adam Sandler. <laughs> the thing is, he's a bad cop. Not only is he a bad cop, but he also like actively endangers the people that he's trying to protect. <laughs> like he, you, the, the worst is at the end. I know it's kind of like hindsight when you when you know that the killer is stalking the kids at the same time. Maybe it makes it slightly different, but he's like trying to head it off with Courtney Cox. And he's like, oh, we should go for a nice moonlit walk with a flashlight. Did you not get that as like? That was the they were like really intentionally going like it's Dewey like Dewey's no the killer. Way. That's no, what I got. There's no like, way that he does I it ever, in a creepy way. Was I know they do a, they do a good job for the most part of like laying in these red herrings everywhere. Like they make you think it's um, uh, the principal, the Fonz. They make you think it's the like the police chief because he's got the boots. Mm-hmm. They make you think it's you know obviously they try and make you think it's Billy at the start, and then obviously it turns out to be Billy. But they do the double fake out on him. Yeah. Dewey was never somebody that I thought, yeah, it's him. <laughs> uh, am I am I wrong here, Charlie? Yeah, I, he's he was never on my list to be he honest. Was never on the Who Shot Mr. Burns suspect list. No, no, no. no. But I think I definitely think that they they made their decisions about what they were going to do with him to make it very much <coughs> like you know he's still in the running. You know, yeah. like it's possible. But I mean. It, what they did with with him that I thought was kind of cool is like that the bit when you see at the end after like Courtney Cox attempts to shoot them and she has the safety on and they like boot her like at least like 10 feet out of the house (laughs) into a into a pillar and she falls on Dewey if you were if you were to watch it again you see Dewey like he's not like he's not breathing he's not moaning or anything like that David Arquette's character like like Dewey was actually meant to be dead they decided to film the bit at the end where you see him going into the ambulance and he's sort of, you know, he's, he's conscious and he's okay because they wanted to see how the test audiences, like, reacted to him. If they liked him, they would have kept him alive at the end. If they didn't like him, that, that scene, all those bits where after he gets stabbed in, the, uh, stabbed in the back would have been him dead. That's the one thing that gets me about Scream I, because we know what happens with all these sequels and everything like that. It does seem at times they're kind of like playing both sides of the street you know what i mean like there's no i wish they just committed to like jury's dead you know what i mean or jamie kennedy's <laughs> dead or One of those, is he yeah exactly there's a lot there's there does seem to be like a little bit of a well test audiences are really responding well to this jamie kennedy character maybe we'll give him his own x factor show you know what i mean like there's there's a lot of that kind of bullshit going on um but yeah um uh well going else? back to the fonds what about the fonds well, we haven't talked at all about how the fonts. Like, I yeah. literally wrote down, I forgot that he was in this. Oh, I know, I definitely remember that yeah. he was in this. Well, they didn't put him on. They they purposely didn't put him on any of the posters because he was like, I actually, you know, like you've got like the the younger uh, younger actors and stuff um, who are you know like quite popular right now. Um, and so, yeah, they made the decision to not credit him on the posters. Like, if you see any of the posters, he's not on them. His, mm. his picture and his name is not on them. So you don't know until he turns up and you're like, ah! That's, and you yeah. There's also that little weird scene where he's uh, where he's being stalked by the killer 
and then uh, you see him <laughs> pop his head out of the out of his office, and he sees Wes Craven dressed as Freddy Krueger, <laughs> and he says, <laughs> "What are you saying?" He says, "Oh, not, not nothing, not, Fred. Not you, Fred. Not you, Fred." And yeah. I was like, hey. "But when he um when he's in his uh, when he's in his office, there's like a couple of little um, bits that I thought were kind of cool. Is um like when he's for some reason decided to try on the mask. So again, that's like the tiniest nod of like everybody's a suspect it could be him but like he's being a jerk or whatever and then he uh he takes the mask off he hears a knock on the door he turns around he startles himself in the mirror um that man scares himself in a lot of mirrors he's like a fucking budgery guy yeah. he's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh friend friend in the mirror but when he um when he opens the um he opens the closet and like pulls his jackets and stuff aside to see if there's anyone hiding in there the fonzie jacket the actual oh, no way, jacket is, it really? is hanging in the in the closet, yeah. And yeah. then um, he, when he turns around and starts himself in the mirror, after he startles himself and sort of composes whatever, he starts like fiddling with his hair the way that he used to when he was Fonzie. So he's like really playing up to like. I love Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler's fucking great. I yeah. know me and Charlie have spoken about um, Barry a bunch on TV party, oh, but Barry's so good. But yeah, that's a hell of a show, yeah. and he's a, I love love me some Henry Winkler. Mm. Um, but yeah, basically, sorry, just this one final bit about Henry Winkler, and you were saying about how well it's paced and everything. I wrote down that I I wasn't really sure what the motive was, and it was like playing into that whole, you know, like motive, there's no real motive um, as to why he got killed. And it was because they were looking at the scripts and they were like, okay, so there's about 30 pages where like nothing really yeah. happens, so we're going to kill off Henry Winkler. I'd and buy then, it though, yeah. right? Charlie, how many times have you wanted to? <laughs> no, <laughs> how many... kill the principal. <laughs> kill the principal. But, um, <laughs> but I understand one hundred percent why they did it, and I feel like I wasn't bothered by the fact that they killed him either. I didn't think, oh, that seemed really out of left field. I was like, oh, they they're kids and they're jerks, <laughs> and they wanted to kill the principal. Yeah, that'll be that. Yeah. Um, mm. Let's get down to the ending, though. Okay. The one of the for me one of the best and most effective and scariest scenes. So they all have. They all go to the party. People are getting bumped off left and right. I love the cool device with the thirty-second delay on the camera. Mm. I feel like that mm. adds some really. That's a yep. really cool little uh, kind of device they use. One of my favourite bits is when Sydney locks herself in the police car, <laughs> and oh. you know what I mean. <laughs> and she keeps on pushing the buttons down, and he keeps on using the the clicker to open the open the door, and she keeps on. It's like whack a mole. I fucking mm. love that scene. I was like, it was genuinely scary. Am I right, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That no, was good. It's, uh, I don't know. I just, don't, I always got a bit confused because I was like, has he gone under the car and is pushing I the lock? I literally wrote that down. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was like, I used to think that he was somehow like some mechanical whiz and he knew which where to <laughs> tweak the car. Yeah, yeah. He's, got, he's got like a the key clicker, isn't he? Yeah, but in like '96, I'd never seen a key clicker. Everyone I knew had like <laughs> manual unlocking cars, so I had no yeah. idea. I was like, is he some kind of like he's got into the engine and worked out how to unlock a car? Imagine how it, unsafe for police. Imagine car. if it had gone like uh, like all the other like Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, where it's like he's magic. And you're like, no. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. that's the one um, is there any part for you that stands out at the end Charlie like any particular scare or death or uh, well I I always remember that um, I don't know why I always remember the beer bottles being thrown at at him and him just really just taking it like a champ because I feel like if someone <laughs> threw a beer bottle at me and it smashed I would be out he gets, one he in, gets he hit was in the groin doesn't one he? in the head and one in the groin yeah, I was like, those are the two enders. You know what I mean? You're not. You, if someone hit me in the 
with enough force to break a beer bottle on my nuts. That's it. I'm out for the count. <laughs> yeah, for There's sure. no way I'm getting back off after that. Um, no. But yeah, I love... I, the ending is great. There's one bit at the end that I'm not so mad keen on. I think it's when they start introducing her dad into it. When it's like, oh, and here he comes out. And every two seconds there's kind of like, oh, we've got a problem here. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm. so It gets so twisty and turny at the end that I think... I could have done without a little bit of that. Mm. Um, am I crazy? Uh, I kind of agree with you. Like, I kind of felt like they were trying to bring the dad into it as a suspect, obviously, but didn't really feel necessary. Like, I feel like they probably just could have left that out and just say, like, "Oh, we can't get hold of your dad," and that would have been fine. Because mm. it, it, yeah, it just gets a little bit weird at the end. But I suppose it all ties up with the fact that um, you know it was to do with Billy's mum and everything else. But um, yeah, I don't know. I know. I know what you mean, but I, I fucking they love the ending, it, man. Yeah, they just took it a bit too far, and they were like, "We're geniuses, and we're going to commit the perfect crime, and then we're going to mm. go on." And when you think about it, there are a million ways that they would have been found out. But mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why is it, when they start swabbing for blood on the walls? They're like, "Why is it there was corn syrup everywhere?" Like, uh, <laughs> no <laughs> reason. Um, but yeah, I just feel like they could have. The dad could, should have been dead. <laughs> they should have done like a Michael Myers scare because obviously. One of the, my favourite bits about that whole ending is how the fact that Jamie Kennedy's character is just lying on the couch watching Halloween the whole time. And, mm. you know what I mean, in the, at the end of Halloween, all these different dead bodies start showing up. Mm. Um, I would have loved if, you know, if Sydney had just run into a room and her dad had been there and he had his, you know, blade, brains blown out all over the side. I feel like there would have been way more effect. I know, I know what you mean, but yeah. maybe Sydney's suffered enough. But not did, having a fucking father killed as well yeah. for, for just my bloodlust but, yeah, but, but did, there you go I did the whole like um, I, I did like the whole like Randy like look behind you bit and like you said the 30 second delay adds a bit of suspense and everything but also I think people were, were like it, it was clearly a coincidence because they wouldn't have like cast someone just because their name was Jamie but the fact that he's going look behind you Jamie and the actor's name is Jamie and um, the, and the killer even, is behind him didn't even him, clock and, that yeah. Didn't even clock that. <laughs> um, one bit I did clock, well, I thought, oof, that's, mm. that's some symbolism right there. The death of your your buddy boy, Matthew Lillard. <laughs> Lillard. Mm. Lillard. Yes. Killed by the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think that meant, Charlie, Mr. Film School? <laughs> <laughs> what do you decipher uh, that one for me, huh? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know. Do, do I have to explain it? No, I think everyone's. I think everyone's got it with even a with even a basic grasp of film analysis. I, thought, I was just like, if if the electrocution didn't kill him, that massive fat TV would have. Yeah. Like, you couldn't so kill big. someone with a modern TV. Yeah, be like, oh. yeah. <laughs> fucking cost loads of money, you dickhead. No, but um, getting your head crushed by a giant TV. Yeah, yeah it's uh, a really good death. And then you think about it, like Billy's death after that is a bit like, oh, okay. He gets stabbed and gets shot a couple of times, and then that's it. Like, yeah, he I doesn't can't... have a real spectacular death compared the, and to that's, the others. That's another thing that I'll that the one of the few criticisms I'll level at this movie the end really peters out. So they have the call, like, this is I love that bit where Jamie Kennedy's like, and they, be careful because this is the scene where the killer would mm. uh, come back to life for one final scare, and he does, and she just fucking shoots him in the head, not in my movie. And then it just cuts to like outside and you get the normal sort of everyone's being taken away in ambulances and so on and so forth. And then, I don't know, it just kind of like Courtney Cox is delivering her her like her little bit to camera 
and then it just kind of like zooms so out over the, over the hills. And I was like, there's no, I wish it had had, I know sometimes films like Nightmare on Elm Street and Carrie get kind of like that bad rap and also Friday the 13th have that kind of like one last twist in the tail. I th- and I feel like for a movie that's kind of, you know, making a point about classic horror movies and their tropes, I do wish that there had been one last little sting in the tail for Scream. I thought that would have been really cool. Mm. I don't know if you guys agree or not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether they would like attempt not, not leaving it. They were like, okay, if this movie doesn't do well, then that's it. You know, we've kind of ended it here. But if it doesn't, then, you know, like, Sydney goes on, she's the final girl, you know, we could leave it ambiguously open. I don't know mm. whether that's why they decided to do it that way, or they were just like... But for me, even then, that's not like an ambiguous ending, though, is it? It's like, the two guys who did it are dead, mm. and everyone, and it, you know, they basically ride off into the sunset, is what that last yeah. shot is leading to me to believe. I would have wanted them, if anything, to have, like, an end, Freddy Krueger's car drives past, or, <laughs> you know... Some, the hand comes up out the grave something like that I feel like would have been quite funny and quite mm-hmm. kind of apt especially because it's Wes Craven and he did that like famous ending to um, to Nightmare on Elm Street with the, the you know getting pulled through the door and all that kind of stuff I thought something like that would have been kind of apt but I guess they just couldn't think of anything to do or they just disagree with me yeah. either that or they were like you know, we've done so many horror movie tropes in this, do we really want to do another one? But the only mm. thing that they've got as, like, a final jump scare is, like, just bef- just after the sunset bit and just before the credits start, you get, like, a flash and a huge blast of music and, like, ghost face, like, looking like he's attacking. Mm. Whether they decided that was just, like, that final bit. Like, in cinema, yeah. it's like, if you it's weren't expecting that after, like, a chill- chilled-out sunset view it probably would have made people do that one final <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, I'll accept that. But I, like I said, I would have, yeah. I would have, the ending could have been a little bit different. I would have been happy. Um, Charlie. Yes. Did this film shit you up? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no, not really. Did it shit no. you up in its original, original yeah. run? Yes, but I was very young. And because we went to quote-unquote film school... I found that horror films stopped scaring me after that because I just kept thinking about the way they were made uh, and the shots and I kind of really find it hard to get lost in them. That's actually why I really like The Orphanage because that film really draws me in. I forget about all the like, I wonder how they did this shot. Oh, what's the light? That's nice lighting. So, um, yeah, no, like, not really. I mean, it's jumpy. I definitely jumped. But, you know, when when I came home last night, I wasn't like, Checking around the fucking doors, like, oh my god! <laughs> um, yeah, not really. But I mean, I think one of the things like people were saying about it, like, it, I think it did really scare people. Um, like, whether it's true or not, I get, I get my facts from the internet as true, right? Yeah, right? this is as good mm. as true truth have we got in, yeah. in this world. But um, yeah. apparently, like, caller ID was around, but it wasn't really well used. But use of caller ID or implementation of caller ID in people's homes increased three times uh, following the release of this film. Oh, really? Yeah, That's and cool. they even mention it in Scream 2 because, like, she's getting prank calls and stuff and she starts, like, reading the phone number that's calling her down the phone and they're like, oh, shit. And, uh, yeah, they, they kind of reference it, so that made me chuckle mm. a little bit. Did it shit you up, Kirsty? Um, I think, like I said, on the first one, I was just fascinated, so I was like, what? Like, you know, I'd seen a couple of films before, but, like, I'd seen Halloween, 
which is still one of my favourites. It's like one of the first ones that I can remember seeing. Like Aliens, I saw, and that really weirded me out because I didn't. Really, I was tuned in halfway through and uh, got weirded out. Halloween was the first one that I watched like all the way through. But there's not actually a drop of blood in Halloween, so this was like maybe like. I may have seen films before that, but this is the one that I remember being like the first sort of full on gory film that I saw. Um, and so when I was younger, I was like, I wasn't, you know, it's got the suspense and everything, which I love. Like when you're first watching it, you're like yelling at the TV, like, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. Like, you know, all the, all the kind of emotions that you would want to have from a horror film. You're just like, why did you, why did you do that? I would have done this, you know? Mm. And, and uh, yeah, so in that way, it's it's enjoyable. I wouldn't say it shipped me up, but like, it's definitely worth a watch. Like if I found it when I was flicking through TV channels and it was halfway through, I'd probably stop and watch it. Hmm. So I'd say when I was 11 years old, when I probably watched this for the first time, that opening scene, I'm almost certainly probably shipped me up. Now I watch it, watch it back. I was just amazed at how entertained I was. Mm. I was like, this is mm. so much fun. Yeah. This is kind of like what a slasher film should be. It's clever. It's well acted. It's really it looks really good. Um, it has something to say as well. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It's de- well, it's definitely mm. funny. Yeah. Um, I was just blown away by how much I enjoyed it this time. And I, for me, just putting it out there, I'm thinking this is going to shoot up the list for me because yeah. this is what at the moment ninety four. Ninety four, yeah. Ninety four. So when we hit ninety, we, we've kind of decided. We decided last time that like what, like every ten movies that we review, we'll have a quick re-review of like where we've adjusted mm-hmm. the films to. So for now, like, uh, yeah, there's there's ones that like went from like ninety six all the way up to one hundred because we were like, nah, we don't like it. So I think this one. I can see this film shooting up like ten places for me. Yeah. At least, if not more, like yeah. I'm, there are a bunch of movies <clears throat> further down on the list where I'm like, I feel like I'm going to have enjoyed Scream, watching Scream more. Mm-hmm. Whether it's necessarily a scarier film, mm, no, I'm not I sure. Think, I have, I made the note of this is the first horror film I ever watched where I came away and I was like, Do you know what, that's that's actually a good film. It's yeah. not a good yeah. horror film. It's a good film. And I bought I bought the box set after I watched it because I was just like, they're great films. They're just very enjoyable. Like, they're very funny. They're very well acted. Like, the whole thing of him sending up the entire genre is super clever, and he does it in such a good way. And they're, they're just really, really good films, you know? So I really enjoy watching them always. I, I think, I know we mentioned it brief, briefly earlier, but I just, just I think uh, Kevin Williamson deserves loads of credit for all of this kind of meta commentary on on mm. uh, on the horror movie genre. I think the fact that they got a master to do it, a master Wes Craven to mm. do it, I think, you know, in even with the quality of the script, if they'd given it to someone, you know, a standard um, horror movie director, I just don't feel like it would have been anywhere near as good. So, um, so yeah, I think that, that combination of writer and director, I think, was absolutely spot on. Got an interesting fact about that as well. Go on. Give it to us. <laughs> two two other directors that were approached to direct this film. Sam Raimi. That would have been fun. And George A. Romero. That in the nineties, <laughs> George Romero what was George Romero doing in the nineties? Mm. I can't remember really remember what he was doing in the nineties, but but yeah, that could have been but Sam yeah. Raimi would have been fucking great. Uh, Wes Craven was um like he was trying to distance himself, I think, from 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 horror 
at that point. Mm. Um, I can't remember what it was that they like managed to persuade him to to do it, but like he decided to sign on, and uh, he basically it's um, Scream is the only slasher franchise where one director has directed all of the films in the franchise. Oh really? It's never happened before or since. He's he's the one who's who's taken it, who took it on, like the whole all of it. Charlie, you said you've got the box set. Do you remember anything about the other movies? Uh, all I well, all I, I haven't seen in a long time. But all I remember is um, know, what's the the guy who she thought uh, killed her mum? I've forgotten his name. Uh, Cotton. Yeah. yeah. He he plays more of a central role in the other ones. That's all I remember, mm. really. Oh, Ray Donovan. Uh, I remember, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Liv Shriver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All I remember <laughs> is that in Scream 3, Jay and Silent Bob turned up as well. And oh, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a crossover I never... Because at one point in the 90s, um, I know we don't want to really mention him at all, but um, Harvey Weinstein was obviously really kind of involved in this yeah, movie this, and this Miramax. Was more, this was more Bob. Oh, was it really? Yeah, okay. gets a name I don't think Bob's Bob like the nicest it. dude either, but for other reasons, hmm. by the sounds of it, allegedly. Hmm. Um, but I remember at some, I remember hearing Kevin Smith talking about it at one point. There were, at some point there was pretty serious talks that they were going to do a series of movies where Jay and Silent Bob would face off against... Um, like the classic horror movie villains, I so like so, be, so like in the way that Abbott and Costello met the Mummy and the and Dracula, it would be like Jay and Silent Bob meet Freddy Krueger and Jay and Silent yes. Bob meet Jason Voorhees. I was like, that sounds so fucking good. Can we start a petition and have that happen? Oh, yes, that would be so good. I would love that. I would but absolutely yeah, love that. I mean, it does send itself up anyway because I think I can't remember what order it was. I did write it down. But, like, obviously in this film, in Scream, they're watching Halloween. Um, and then uh, in uh, Halloween H20, I literally wrote down the word 20 because Ollie always tells me off because I call it Halloween H2O. Um, not allowed to call it Halloween. It's not Halloween water. <laughs> and, <laughs> Halloween water, that would sell. Yeah, I'm going to start bottling Halloween yep. water right now. <laughs> but, yeah, in, in Halloween H20, they're actually watching Scream 2. So it's kind of like it's been incorporated into like horror i think one of the funny things is as well that one of the reasons why i thought maybe this film was not going to live up to the to the the heady heights that i'd kind of like placed it in when i was younger is because of all like the scary movie bullshit all that kind of stuff where it's like they mm. had a whole series of films that were literally just like well let's just take the piss out of screen mm. um and it's- i feel like any t- you know what i mean how many times have you heard what's your favourite scary movie or do you want to play a game or any of those kind of things and you thought oh man this is so played out now but I think when a film is of the quality of of Scream then it's kind of like hard for, to, to, to look to not look beyond that kind of stuff so I don't know I just think it's a classic I really loved it and if anything I have so much more respect for it having watched it again now yeah. um, than mm. I did when I was younger yeah. but you know it was originally going to be called Scary Movie Oh God, really? Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad someone saw sense on that end. Um, yeah. Charlie, you got anything else to say about Scream? Uh, no, I mean, just to touch on what you were saying there about scary movie. It's so like weird and meta that Scream is a film that takes the piss out of the genre, and then from that spawned films that took the piss out of Scream and Scream <laughs> takes the piss <laughs> out of the genre. The like, it really is. <laughs> yeah. It's so, Bizarre, but uh, yeah, no, I, lo- I love it. It's such a good film. Yeah. Definitely watch it if you haven't seen it. Okay, uh, did we want to do best deaths? I, 
I feel like we're all going to say the first death. <laughs> I feel like Drew <laughs> Barrymore's death is definitely the yeah. best death in the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, I always liked um, like Rose Rose McGowan like in the doggy door kind of thing. But apparently, she was so tiny that they had to like attach her to the garage door to stop her from falling out of the doggy door while they were well, raising it, it up because she's so petite. It, when she was doing it, I was like, how is her head going to get caught in this door? Because I was like, she's not at the right angle. It's going to be more like a midsection. Yeah. They managed to, to wangle it so it looked yeah. just about right. But um, um, the, the Was it Kenny the cameraman who's like W.L. Brown who Ollie loves from yeah, Deadwood? Yeah, from Deadwood. Dan Doherty. Yeah. So his uh, throat cut scene was meant to be like way longer and gorier and he was meant to like look at the killer in a sort of like why kind of way like <laughs> the way that everyone seems to look when they have the, they have that slight surprise of like oh okay my, my throat's cut and I think I'm dying like he, it was much longer and then like the MPAA were just like no that's too gratuitous so we're going to cut it down but they they were cutting a whole bunch of stuff out of it until Bob uh, Weinstein just basically went to them and went view it as a comedy and not a horror and they were like oh we get it now and that's yeah. when they stopped mm. like you know sending it back for revisions and stuff so they did it like nine times or something like that like they were trying to pull stuff out of it so well i feel like the version of the film that has lasted is is, is a is a it's corker good, so uh, i'm very happy to see it on the list um so what's coming up what have we so first of all uh, make sure you go and visit hey, us over. Oh, Kirsty's doing it. Factoids. Oh, it's still. Yeah. Oh, come on. We got how many? How many factoids we not, got? Not many. Not okay, many. good. Let's run okay. for them. Well, you've got all the the Halloween points in there. So like uh, Casey, like Drew Barrymore's parents, are like run down to the, go down to the Mackenzies. That's what Laurie Strode says to the kids in Halloween. It's go down to the Mackenzies. Um, you hear like during the bit where like uh, Billy and Sid are like uh, he's trying to get into her underwear he's play- there's like an acoustic version of Don't Fear the Reaper which is playing in the yeah, car that. That, was real, that was real corny <laughs> and also he's in like a Grim Reaper kind of costume when he's a killer so that bit as well um, they mention it being just like a Wes Carpenter film which is you know Wes Craven and John Carpenter mixed together um, my favourite fact I think is uh, one of the funniest lines when, like, Sid goes back to school after, like, you know, being attacked, is there's, like, reporters everywhere, and one of them comes up, and I giggled because, like, the line is really terrible because it's just like, how does it feel to be almost brutally butchered? And then they're holding her back, and she's just like, people have a right to know. I was like, people have a right to know what it's like to be almost (laughs) brutally butchered. But the interesting fact about that is that reporter is Linda Blair, so is it really? Reagan from The Exorcist. No way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I didn't fucking recognise that yep. at all. So I like that bit. Have I got any more? Let's um, wrap it up there. I think that's, we've had we've had many, many mm-hmm. facts. You all don't want to fact- do alternative casting? Mm, now you mm. said alternative casting. I mm. quite like an alternative casting. Go on, give okay. us a co- quick, you, couple of quick think, ones. Charlie? So Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for Sydney, uh, Molly Ringwald was approached. So, for Sydney? Yeah. She must have been like 50 years yeah, old at the she time. Turned, she turned it down. She was like, I don't want to play a high school student again. And I definitely don't want to play one because I'm 27. She was 27. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. People, uh, Tory Spelling was considered, which is why they sort of joked about her playing Tory Spelling, uh, Tory Spelling playing her if they made a film out of it. Uh, Reese Witherspoon turned it down. And two people who auditioned were Melissa Joan Hart. So Sabrina. Oh, that would have been yeah. excellent. Yeah. And Brittany Murphy. 
I would have preferred Melissa Joan Hart okay. just for, for my, you know what I mean? Sabrina and Clarissa explains it all uh, <laughs> fantasies from when I was young. Um, um, Gail Weathers was almost Brooke Shields, so the Courtney Cox part. And uh, uh, Janine Garofalo was approached, but she turned it down. And Courtney Cox was, like, gunning for it. She was like, I really want, like, a bitch role compared to, like, because she was, like, two years into Friends. She was, like, yeah. really, really into Friends. Um, and then uh, Randy, so Jamie Kennedy's part, was Jason Lee. Mm. Uh, Stu, so Matthew Lillard's part, Freddie Prince Jr. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix was approached to play Billy, so Skeet Walrich's part. God. That would have been good. I would, I would have yeah, liked yeah. that. I would have liked to see that one. Um, wow, there's a there's a lot of information about Scream out there. Um, cool, right? So um, I think that about wraps us up for Scream. If you uh, want to get involved uh, and have a chat with us, uh, go on over to facebook.com forward slash behind the sofa podcast or uh, behind the sofa podcast on Instagram. Make sure to give us a, a rate, a review, and a subscribe anywhere you're listening. Um, and what are, we, what are we reviewing next week? Next week is 93, and that is 1985's Reanimator. Fuck yes. Have so, you seen the Reanimator, Charlie? No, no. Oh, man, you got to watch it. It's real good. <laughs> it's a classic. Um, based on a, a, an HP Lovecraft short story. It's about a guy who decides to try and reanimate the corpses of his loved ones. But there you go. Um uh, Charlie, thank you so much for being our first guest. It's been thank a fucking you, pleasure, bud. Right. You're welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. Come back anytime you want. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get Sam in on one as well. He was supposed <gasps> to be on this one, but he uh, he got busy and made a film, the jerk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but thank you all very much. Uh, say goodbye, Charlie. Bye-bye. Goodbye from me. And for Behind the Sofa, good night. <laughs>